All right, let's see. It is 8 May. Is that correct? Today's the 8th? Okay, it's 8 May. It's Sunday. It's uh, time for the CG Prophecy Report. Peter Henderson in the White House. That and a lot of other things to go over on today's report. Okay, I want to remind you, I said it last week, I'll say it again this week, just so you know that uh, I went back to Twitter, I'm on there for now, unless uh, the buyout doesn't go through, then I'm just going to depart again, but for right now, I'm on Twitter, it's Charlie Garrett at The Superior Word, and uh, also we have a website, I've mentioned this three weeks in a row now, but uh, I'll keep repeating it for a while, as we have a website, It's a news service that we started. Sergio and Israel set it up, and then I uh, put in uh, articles all day long every day. It's called The CG Report, and if you want to get to it, it's the, T-H-E-C-G-R-E-P-O-R-T dot com. And uh, it's a great little site, keeps me busy all day, and uh, uh, I hope you'll enjoy it and pass that link on to other people, and eventually we'll get up to two viewers a week, I guess. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's going pretty well, actually. But um, uh, there you go. Please pass that on and go there once a day. Check things out. There's always new uh, news on there, and a lot of what you hear in the report will have already been there, so you can get rebriefed on what you've forgotten over the past seven days. So there you go. Okay, we got some news from Israel today. From the Times of Israel, buoyed by Aliyah. Israeli population up to 9.5 million ahead of 74th Independence Day. Country sees biggest immigration wave in 20 years with 38,000 arrivals. Latest stats find 73.9% of Israelis are Jews, 21.1% are Arabs, and 5% are members of other religious groups. So there you go with that. Stats for the year. From Ynet, new U.S. rule bars soldiers from visiting Israel region on leave. After Israel was reclassified to fall within U.S. Central Command area of responsibility, the U.S. military released updated guidelines banning service members from traveling to the region on leave. The change, which affects CENTCOM Regulation 55-2, was implemented on September 8th of last year, one week after Israel was officially reassigned to the AOR. The updated regulation rules that unofficial travel into the CENTCOM AOR is not authorized, meaning Jewish service members looking to participate in cultural birthright trips to Israel will be unable to travel as planned. CENTCOM maintains that the updated guidelines were not prompted by Israel's new designation within the AOR. CENTCOM's chief of media operations informed the Times of Israel by email that the regulation was altered as a part of the military's response to COVID considerations in the region. The changes to Central Command Regulation 55-2 were implemented in direct response to heightened COVID-19 restrictions throughout our area of responsibility. Any correlation between the DOD's announcement of Israel's realignment to CENTCOM responsibility in September of 2021 is purely coincidental. Do I believe that for a second? Probably not. From the Jerusalem Post, eight heavy transport aircraft belonging to the United Arab Emirates landed in Israel in the past two weeks. These are military aircraft. Just think a year and a half ago or two years ago before Trump, 
got that deal going, you would never have heard of this, not in a million years, and all of a sudden it's happening. At least eight C-17 Globemaster heavy transport aircraft belonging to the UAEAF have landed in Israel over the past two weeks. The Boeing C-17A Globemaster III is a four-engine heavy transport aircraft that can accommodate huge payloads of 164,900 pounds, fly 2,400 nautical miles, and land on runways of 3,000 feet or less on a small airfield. All the aircraft landed at the IAF's Nevatim Air Base in southern Israel and took off about an hour after landing. It is unclear why the heavy transport aircraft were in Israel, though it is believed that they were likely transporting equipment related to defense contracts signed between the two countries. Earlier in April, Sibat, the military exports unit of the defense ministry, said military exports by Israel brought in $11.2 billion last year, with 7% of that to Arab countries who have signed the Abraham Accords. That's all due to Donald Trump, all of it, okay? The UAE is part of a Saudi-led military campaign against the Iran-backed Houthi rebels and in recent months has been attacked by them several times with missiles and drones. Israel has offered support to the Emirates against such attacks following a January missile and drone attack that killed three people in Abu Dhabi. Prime Minister Bennett said that he ordered the Israeli security establishment to provide their counterparts in the UAE with any assistance that could help protect against future attacks. Both Israel and the UAE have worked together covertly for years that was known all along against Iran's hegemony and, according to foreign reports, have behind closed doors improved their intelligence sharing and military relations in order to be prepared for Iranian threats. Following the normalization agreement signed as a part of the Abraham Accords, the UAE's Minister of State for Defense Affairs, Mohammed al-Bawardi, and Defense Minister Benny Gantz agreed to establish security ties between the two countries, and here's the fruits of it right now. People buying stuff directly from Israel and getting it directly from Israel. There's no third country workaround or anything anymore. Thank you, Donald Trump. Okay, we got some news concerning Christianity here. I'd like to remind you one more week that we have a fundraiser going for Dennis Compton. His son, Nathaniel Nigel Compton, helped me save my dad. Okay, he's just had the surgery. I got some photos of him yesterday out of, I think they need about $5,000 to pay all of the bills. And they've so far got about $1,400. So if you can help with that, it would be a great help. He's uh, been in the Philippines for many years. And uh, so I would make an appeal. If you need the link to that, I can send that to you. It's a GoFundMe account, or you can send PayPal directly, which is what I would rather do because GoFundMe is, uh, you know, it's not really Christian friendly. But either way, you can send money to them, and it would be a big help to them. Okay, and then one more thing is that Jonathan Ryu, who's been attending online for quite a while now, he's out in um, uh, Washington State, and he has caught up on every video that we have ever done. And so as of this week, he's with us live watching the uh, videos new instead of just catching up over the past couple of years. And that's a real amazing feat. Uh, this guy has got a uh, business where he blasts the videos um, or probably the audio of them in his business. And people are always asking, what's that? And who are you listening to? And this is in Washington State. So that's a little brave. And one of these days he's bound to get, you know, something on his front door. But hey, hats off to the guy. Okay, from the Christian Times. Church of Scotland ready to approve 
same-sex marriage. You knew that was coming. Well, here it is. And here's one of the reasons why. This has nothing to do with Christianity, but it affects the country. From Great Britain News, Nicola Sturgeon refuses to define what a woman is in bid to protect trans people. The leader of Scotland can't tell you what a woman is anymore. You know, I'd like to make a comment, but I'll just keep it to myself. All right, Mail Online. Supreme Court rules 9 to 0 that Boston violated the free speech rights of a Christian group by refusing to fly a flag bearing the image of a cross. Nine to zero. That shows you how stupid the people in Boston are. I'm talking about the leaders in Boston, not all of them. You know, I'm sure there's one or two Christians left in Boston, but these leaders there, nine to zero, were voted down. Camp Constitution applied to use the flagpole in front of Boston City Hall, but it was told it could not fly its flag. They got every perverted flag in the world flying up there, but not a Christian flag. A red cross and a blue square. SCOTUS said Boston had unfairly discriminated against the organization. Good. From CBN, drag me to the church. Drag, like drag queen. Drag me to the church. South Carolina Church sponsors drag queen event with a unique style of worship. I would say there's no worship at all, but they can say what they want. Trinity Lutheran Church of Greenville, South Carolina, has announced a drag me to the church event featuring lady, and I cannot say what she calls herself, or this guy that's dressed as a woman calls himself. It's that disgusting. In a church. The announcement says the drag show is about church, faith, and God's inclusive love. They're going to find out what that means someday. From the Epic Times, Trump White House blocked CDC from recommending virtual church services. Now, this just came out, but this is something that was going on behind the scenes at the beginning of this. And Trump stood up for the Christians from the very beginning of what was going on. Listen to this. President Trump's admin stopped the CDC from recommending people attend church remotely in the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. The CDC planned to include the recommendations in guidance for faith communities released in May 2020, according to an email from May Davis Mailman, a White House lawyer. Mailman wrote that the edits the White House made removes all of the telechurch suggestions. They just went through and lined it all out of the CDC's recommendations from the guidance before it was released to the public. In another email, Paul Ray, the administrator of the White House Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs at the time, told colleagues that the CDC's draft guidance includes a significant amount of new content, much of which seems to raise religious liberty concerns. Ray suggested edits and said the guidance should only be published if the CDC agreed to delete the offensive passages. They were trying to shut down churches all over America, these lefties and the CDC, and Trump would not have anything to do with it. His White House said no. Kellyanne Conway, a senior advisor to Trump, thanked Ray, saying he was holding firm against the newest round of mission creep. The group also mentioned possible activity from Trump regarding the church guidance. That day, Trump in a briefing said the houses of worship were essential places that provide essential services and said they should be allowed to reopen. After the guidance was published, Dr. Ray Butler, a CDC official, wrote to colleagues to tell them that he was very troubled because there will be people who will get sick and perhaps die because of what we were forced to do. Our team has done the good work only to have it compromised. 
Dr. Sonia Rasmussen, former editor-in-chief of the CDC's quasi-journal, told Representative Jamie Raskin, a Democrat from Maryland, during a panel hearing that in her 20 years at the agency, she never witnessed political officials change public health guidance before it was published due to it being offensive to them. Well, they never had to because the lefties run the CDC. That's exactly what goes on. I remember telling you this twice in the past year and a half. I'll tell you again, is that when Trump won the election, the CDC literally were weeping. They were sitting at their desks weeping that a new president that didn't hold to their agenda had come in. This guy was run around by them the entire time he was the president cost him the presidency along with other issues. But I have to tell you what, Donald Trump supported the religious freedom of the people in this country, and we're not seeing that right now. When scientific reports did not align with their political message, Trump admin officials tried to alter their findings, delay their release, or suppress them entirely. Representative Jim Clyburn, a Democrat from South Carolina, the panel's chairman, said during the hearing, which also included testimony from the GAO officials on observed political interference at the CDC and other agencies. Representative Steve Scalise, Republican from Louisiana, the top Republican on the panel, decried how the CDC during the Biden admin allowed teachers unions to edit guidance on reopening schools before they were opened adding, it's interesting to note that Democrat examples that we've seen regarding political interference by Trump admin involve things like looking to the First Amendment to protect free speech in our churches. Yes, that was something the admin looked at, because even during a pandemic, the Bill of Rights is not discarded. Ray, the former White House official, told the Epic Times in an email that the First Amendment guarantees Americans' freedom to worship. CDC has been perfectly clear that there are multiple ways to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Each faith tradition, not the federal government, is best situated to understand the demands of its own beliefs and therefore to choose among the multiple effective means of preventing the virus's spread, those means that best comport with its beliefs. The United States government has no business putting pressure on religious believers to choose methods of protection that clash with their beliefs over other methods that do not. The edits proposed to this document were designed to keep Americans safe while respecting their right to worship as they believe they should, he said. Good stuff. I really, really hope that he gets back in office in a couple of years. We'll see. Maybe he'll be too old by then, or who knows what's going to happen. Or maybe the rapture will happen, and we'll just be out of here. But I'm so thankful for the man that we had in the White House for those four years. Despite all of the grief that he got from the left, he continued pressing forward and doing his job. And by the way, the Superior Word Church never closed. We never closed. People didn't want to come. They didn't have to come. But we never closed this church, and it will never happen. They'll have to arrest me before we close for a a pandemic. Some news from the Mideast and Africa today from the Washington Examiner. White House says DHS tracking 42 terrorists, proving the system is working. They've got hundreds of thousands of people a month coming over the southern border. They've caught 42 And they have no idea if the other 100,000 plus people that have come over the border are terrorists or not. They have no idea. And they're saying it's working because they got 42 people. The White House defended the DHS's tracking of terrorists who have crossed the U.S.-Mexico border, saying its efforts mean the system is working. 
The head of the department has come under fire in recent days for forming a disinformation governments board and for the fact that 42 individuals who are on the terrorist screening list were encountered at the border. Mayorkas told Fox the Biden admin had a handle on it. I doubt it. From the Gateway Pundit. What's that? Oh, yeah. Economy's good, too. Gateway Pundit. Project Veritas. Government Insider reveals suspected known terrorists walk freely in the United States after Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal. Freely walking around in the U.S. Project Veritas this past week released records from a government insider revealing numerous suspected terrorists are freely walking around in the United States despite being flagged by the terrorist watch list. Despite being flagged by the DHS for violent offenses like murder and using explosive devices, the U.S. still admitted the terrorists from Afghanistan because of Biden's Operation Allies Welcome. One suspected terrorist, Ishmael Jarat, who arrived in the U.S. on August 31st, 2021, was taken off the terrorist watch list, then re-added a month later under the Tier 1 level threat under a code called Category 15, which is classified as armed and dangerous for having used explosives and arms, the whistleblower revealed. According to records, that armed and dangerous terrorist is currently living in California. This is just the tip of the iceberg. After being taken off the terrorist watch list, his work visa has been approved and records indicate he is currently living in California. Anwarulak Wahidi is also classified as a Category 15 threat by the Department of Homeland Security for having used explosives and arms. He was only added to the terror watch list on October 17th of 2021 after already being admitted into the United States under Operation Allies Welcome. Ten days later, his two-year work visa was approved, despite being flagged by DHS because he has engaged or is likely to engage in an unspecified violent terrorist act. Nazir Ahmad Rahimi entered the U.S. on August 24th of 2021, despite being apprehended by ICE while in the United States, he is yet to be deported, and his last known address is in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Can you imagine this? They're allowing this to go on, and he says they've got a handle on it. Speaking of that, I'd like to uh, welcome somebody that hasn't been in the church for a couple of years, probably because of the COVID pandemic. I won't say his name because I got something to say about him, but uh, I will say that he is from a country where they don't allow you to have your guns and go out and shoot and stuff. And so before he left the last time he was here, he said, Charlie, I want to go shoot guns. Can we do that? I said, let's go. So we went down to Knight's Trail and I took, I think just two of my guns. I took uh, uh Air weight, and which is just a little handgun, it's a pocket gun, and then I took my Glock 19, and we went down there to try it out. Now, when I say I'm going to start shooting, I always tell everybody to back up behind me, because if I shoot forward, it may go over there. I'm a terrible shot. This guy had never shot a gun in his life, ever. And I gave him my little air weight first, and he shot, and he says, I don't really like how it handles, but he was only off the, the target by, like, hardly at all. He says, can I try the Glock? I said, yes. He took the Glock and he shot everything in the clip and they were all within about an inch of each other. First time he'd ever, I would, I would send him to Washington to take care of these people. I'll tell you that. It was amazing. So he's back and I'm sure we're going to go shooting guns again. Good stuff. Okay, from CNBC, Russia's war is threatening the Middle East's 
food security, sparking warnings of riots, famine, and mass migration. Egypt, the Arab world's most populous country, alone imports 80% of its wheat from the Ukraine and Russia. Lebanon, already years into a crippling debt and inflation crisis, imports 60% of its wheat from the two warring countries, which provide 80% of Tunisia's grain. Inflation surged to 14.8% in the MENA region in 2021, according to the IMF fund. Now, if they don't get the wheat that they need this year, the entire point is that they are going to start having big, big trouble down there because these people not only will get hungry, but they'll get angry. And angry people do things that they normally might not do. In some cases, they normally might do them. They're just going to do more of them. So we'll watch that over the year ahead. Now something interesting from Mongolia. From Kyodo News. Japan urges Mongolia to join international pressure on Russia over the Ukraine. Japanese Foreign Minister Hayashi indirectly urged his Mongolian counterpart, Batsetzeg, to join international pressure on Russia in response to its aggression in Ukraine. In a meeting in Ulaanbaatar, Hayashi told Batsetzeg that Moscow's invasion of Ukraine violates international law and shakes the foundation of international order also in Asia, and therefore global solidarity is strongly required. Batsetzeg gave explanations based on Mongolia's position, apparently reflecting Ulaanbaatar's reluctance to align with Western nations that have imposed severe economic sanctions on Russia. Mongolia, a landlocked country in East Asia, is sandwiched by China and Russia. It has long been highly dependent on the two big powers in terms of energy supplies, trade, and even electricity, especially in the Western part. But the problem is they're also dependent on Japan. So we'll have to see what they're going to do with this. But if they upset Russia, they've got an entire border to face the Russians. And I don't think they're going to want to do that. So they're in a real pickle right now if this continues much longer. Daniel prophesied that technology would increase in the end times. What's up with that? From the Times of Israel. Right to be forgotten. Israeli tech firm says it can delete your digital footprint. I'd like this because I left a lot of social media and I'd love to have all of that gone. Three young Israelis formerly serving in the military cyber units have figured out how to locate your digital footprint and give you tools to delete it. The company Mine says it uses AI to show users where the information is being stored, like whether an online store kept your data after a sneaker purchase three years ago. Mines technology has already been used by 1 million people worldwide, with over 10 million right-to-be-forgotten requests sent to countries using the firm's platform. Mine launched after the EU's General Data Protection Regulation, now an international reference point, set out key rights for users, including the deletion of personal data that was shared with a site for a limited purpose. The company's AI technology scans the subject lines of users' emails and flags where data is being stored. Individuals can then decide which info they want deleted and use Mind's email template to execute their right to be forgotten. It means they can delete their digital footprint with a click of a button. We're not telling people to not use Facebook or Google. We say go ahead, enjoy, use whatever you want. But as you enjoy... Using the internet will show you who knows what about you, what they know about you, what is the risk, 
and how to remove it, he added. Last year, hackers broke into the database of Atraf, an Israeli LGBTQ dating website, using the personal information there for extortion. The year before, Sherbet, a major insurance company, was hacked and troves of data stolen. Despite those and smaller breaches, the public was relatively indifferent. While public awareness on privacy rights has been slow on the uptake, many corporations were realizing that better privacy practices made for good business. Mines co-founder said companies had contacted his firm for help with the challenging and cumbersome process of locating and removing information in line with the right to be forgotten. We help companies to automate that process without any human involvement, reducing their efforts and costs. But lawyer Omer Tenney, co-founder of the Israeli Tech Policy Institute, cautioned that deleting specific individual requests was a complicated technical exercise. Some companies and organizations cannot legally delete information like blockchains or records of financial interactions needed for tax purposes. Even information that can be deleted is often kept in varying degrees of identifiability. All of this nuance makes it difficult to deliver on a promise from both the consumer side and the corporate side to enable deletion by pressing a button. But at least they have the tools to get a lot of that information that you don't want out there out there. So if you want, contact mine and they can take care of you. It's a dangerous world, including the inevitable plagues the book of Revelation prophesies of. Let's see how that's going. From AccuWeather, I got a couple articles that I just got a title and a little comment on there for you. India experiences hottest April ever as wildfires expand, air quality worsens. On April 30th, New Delhi hit 112 degrees Fahrenheit, the highest of the entire month, but fell just shy of the city's April record. The all-time record high temperature for April in New Delhi is 114.1 Fahrenheit. So what they did is they gave you a title and said that it's climate change that is doing this, saying the whole month is the hottest ever, but the hottest temperature ever was another time. And the temperatures are actually just a little bit above the average temperatures every year for Delhi. So it's a completely false narrative that they are pushing on people. Next article, Times Now. Northwest Central India witnesses hottest April in 122 years. So it's not the hottest April ever. It's just the hottest one in 122 years. Bus stand. Delhi records second hottest April in 72 years with average temperature at 40 degrees centigrade. So it's not the hottest and it's only 72 years. So they're lying to you. Watchers, Hong Kong records its coldest May day since 1917. So it's not a record at all. It's just the coldest since 1917 when they had a colder temperature. Warming or cooling? That's cooling there. Yeah, we've got cooling and we've got warming, and the cooling is caused by the warming. It's, yeah, it's all very scientific. If you want to know, you can go online and you can see a video that I did on that years ago, or you can send me an email and I'll send you the link on the global warming climate debate, okay? It's the cooling is happening because of the warming. That's the answer. From Haaretz, Israel just saw one of the hottest Aprils on record. Last year was one of the hottest in Israel since the 1950s, so it really hasn't been that long, and the past decade was the hottest ever. 
Israel with a warming rate twice the global average because they're getting twice as many people all the time and the sensors are picking up the heat from the surrounding cities is considered among the countries especially vulnerable to global warming and climate change. So they've had two hotter Aprils in the past 50 or 70 years, I think it was, and they're saying how bad it is this year. They're lying to you. They're just getting people worried about nothing from American faith. Increase in reactivated viruses following COVID-19 booster shots, says Dr. Richard Urso. Mail online. Zelensky warns of impending world food crisis as Russia blocks 4.5 million tons of grain, leaving Black Sea ports and attacks key grain store. Putin's troops also steal $4 million worth of farm vehicles and ship them to Chechnya, but they're remotely disabled. <laughs> Striking video shows Russian missile hit grain warehouse. They're actually targeting food supplies in the Ukraine right now, in southeast Ukraine. Zelensky world now faces food crisis as Russia blockades vital Ukrainian grain, follows 4.5 million tons of grain sitting in closed occupied ports. So they're blowing up food, they're keeping it in ports and not letting it out, and they're stealing the farming equipment so Ukraine can't plant and do their work this year, but the equipment's no good for anybody that stole it because it's been disabled. Let's see here. Epic Times. Federal panel recommends against using ivermectin to treat COVID-19. No surprise there. Voice of America. Wild horses die from unknown disease. U.S. government officials say an unknown and fast-spreading disease has killed 85 wild horses in less than one week in the western state of Colorado. More than 2,500 animals are held at the facility in Cannon City, 190 kilometers southwest of Denver. A BLM statement earlier this week said wild horses at the wild horse facility in Cannon City have been infected with an unknown yet highly contagious and sometimes fatal disease. And then listen to this comment from their, this is from their article. Fatal is a term that means deadly. Oh my goodness. <laughs> BLM, is it BLM? BLM, that's BLM. Yeah, Bureau of Land Management. Can you imagine that? These people. Fatal is a term that means deadly. That's the society we live in. That's the society that we live in. Okay, morality is declining. Here's some news on that. Breitbart. Yahoo News props up 11-year-old transgender activist. They ought to be sued and put out of business for doing what they're doing. They're, this is child abuse on a national scale. Yahoo Life published a story about an 11-year-old boy who believes he is a girl, calling him a transgender activist and using his preferred pronouns. Yahoo Life entitled the story, Why This 11-Year-Old Transgender Activist Is Fighting for the Right to Medical Care in Texas. I have to speak up. Shapley told the reporter he was always a girl and believed he was transgender around the age of three. I was about three when I realized my mom and some of the people around me didn't know who I was. It took a little bit, obviously, but at about four and a half, my family and I came out publicly. Shapley's delusion has seemingly been nurtured by his mother. Kimberly, who in 2016 fought back when an elementary school refused to let Kai use the girls' restroom. 
Kimberly also testified before Texas lawmakers in opposition to bills that would protect women and girls from transgender activists. While doing so, she identified herself as a Republican, a Christian, and the mother of a transgender child. The only two that I don't even believe any of them because there's no such thing on the third. She's just a liar. She's an abuser of her children. Shapley has since become an outspoken activist for trans rights and travels the country with his mother speaking in opposition to bills that would curtail the far-left transgender activist agenda. From U.S. News, Amazon to reimburse U.S. employees who travel for abortions, other treatments. That's the first of dozens of articles that I've seen this week. That was the first. Many others came out since then. Newsmax. Baseball strikes out in ratings while trying to draw the woke. Ha! Life site. Vermont legalizes remote prescription of assisted suicide drugs. From the Daily Caller. Top Biden health official. All pediatricians agree with castrating gender-confused children. Yes, that guy that thinks he's a girl up there at the Department of whatever. Let's start with him. Yeah, hello. Some other news from around the world. And please be sure to check out the Superior Word Sermons. I think you'll enjoy them. From DNYUZ, Abbott threatens to declare an invasion as migrant numbers climb. For the past year, Mr. Abbott has transformed an unceasing flow of migrants over the border into a potent political message, seizing the role of defending the country from unauthorized migration as he runs for a third term in November. His aggressive posture has done little to stem the tide and also exposed him to fierce criticism that he is using his authority to meddle in a policy area that belongs to the federal government. Still, his efforts to tighten border security and harden Texas' 1,254-mile frontier have helped Mr. Abbott, a Republican, hold off challenges from his right and made the lawyerly governor into a regular on Fox News. Now, Mr. Abbott is weighing whether to invoke actual war powers to seize much broader state authority on the border. He could do so. Advocates inside and outside his administration argue by officially declaring an invasion to comply with a clause in the United States Constitution that says states cannot engage in war except when actually invaded. That's exactly what I was going to say. Do it. Stop talking about it and just do it. You are being invaded and we, citizens of the United States of America, I don't care if you're in Florida, we are being invaded. It's time for him to just do it. Mail online. And I guarantee you, if he does, DeSantis will ask if anybody wants to go from Florida and he'll pay for them to go and take care of that as well. I guarantee you. DeSantis isn't going to take this anymore than anybody else. Mail online. California's population shrinks again. Most populous U.S. state falls by more than 100,000 for a second year in a row to 39.2 million due to low birth rate, a spike in deaths, and a mass exodus. Now, that's the number that have gone down, but think of how many have gone in there. Illegals that are being counted as well. They're losing all of their good paying people, and they're going to have a society that can't run itself anymore. That's what's happening. Good. Mail online. More than a quarter of Russian units have been rendered combat ineffective in Ukraine, and their most elite units are the worst affected, the Ministry of Defense says. The UK's Defense Intelligence Agency compiled a report on the Russian military. They said Russia deployed 65% of its combat ground forces in the Ukraine. 
Of the 120 battalions, some 25% of these are no longer combat effective. British intel agents believe losses among elite units are far higher. I've been watching every single day. It comes on, they're usually 20 or 15 second long videos of the Ukrainians blowing up tanks. They have got it to a science. There are tanks littering the countryside. And then after they're blown up and the Russians leave, they go in and they take the metal and they scrap it. And so they're making money off of that as well. But it is amazing to watch how many vehicles get destroyed every single day. New videos coming out every single day. Russia's destroying itself. From Georgia Star News, Ford reports devastating losses thanks to electric vehicle gamble. <laughs> From the Daily Wire, gas prices up nearly 80% since Biden took office. From the Western Journal, U.S. faces looming catastrophe as price of diesel hits all-time high, threatening the trucking industry. New York Post, Joe Biden allows alias of KGB spy from Tom Clancy novels, emails from Hunter Biden's laptop show. Now listen to this. If this was Donald Trump and he had used this name, they would have been all over him in the news 24 hours a day, every single day. Listen to what this this guy that's sitting in the White House has done. Joe Biden wrote to his son Hunter and others close to him using the pseudonym Peter Henderson, a fictional Soviet Union era spy in several Tom Clancy novels who infiltrated the U.S. government email show. Biden sent the message using an email address with a username of 67 Stingray, a clear reference to his beloved 1967 Corvette Stingray. The name attached to Biden's 67 Stingray account at the time was Peter Henderson, which matches the name of the KGB spy in Clancy's popular Jack Ryan series. Henderson, whose code name was Cassius in Clancy's realm, worked as a minor Senate aid in 1970 before becoming a Russian spy who was later caught by the CIA and turned into a double agent. He is claiming a name of a Russian spy that defected from America to Russia. Does that not tell you who this person is that's sitting in the White House right now? Does that not tell you? If that was even hinted at by somebody, it wouldn't even matter if it was Trump. It could have been a low-level employee. It would never stop being on the news ever. This man in the White House is a traitor to the United States of America. Washington Examiner. Wild Turkey terrorizes D.C. Yes, in, in addition to Biden, a turkey is doing it too. A wild turkey is attacking people near the Anna Costia Riverwalk Trail in Washington, D.C., leading several government agencies, including the National Park Service, the Washington Department of Energy and Environment, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture to join the hunt for the foul presence, F-O-W-L. The three-and-a-half-foot-tall male turkey has a blue head and neck, pink flaps on its chin, black breast feathers, which they all do, and large bronze fan tail. They just described any turkey in Washington. The bird has attacked more than a dozen bikers and hikers in the city, several of whom needed tetanus shots and urgent care. So Biden isn't the only one that's attacking the citizens. Who said it? 
The notion of sin and repentance waned with the belief in authority. Men thought they could make good the evil they did. Lord Acton. Okay, I got a lesser here for you. Let's see if you can figure out what he is talking about today. There's a terrorist hot on the trail. No doubt looking for bush and some quail. Q-U-A-Y-L-E. There are agencies three that will not bow the knee to make sure that this turkey will fail. Okay, we've got a bit of irony here for you today and we will be done. Gateway Pundit. Alec Baldwin lashes out at NRA, calls for gun control after he shot and killed woman on set of rust. Okay, one more and we're done. Gateway Pundit. World's largest carbon removal facility designed to fight global warming suffers major setback after Arctic blast freezes its machinery. Such is the world in which we live. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett, and that's your CG report for the week. <laughs>